0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And if you joined us this past week as Rich challenged us to read through the book of James, then you'll know that these are very challenging words about the taming of our tongues. Now we read James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Please be seated.
1: Last week, we uh, looked into James, and we said that James gives us an approach to how we uh, posture ourselves before the Word of God. Thanks, Tommy, for bringing that out. Uh, I stole this from the, the uh, this is the mirror for all the brides who get married at the chapel to, to check themselves out as they get into their wedding dress. But uh, our posture as we come to Scripture, said James, is like looking in a mirror, that we come with a level of humility, acknowledging that God has designed me, God has designed this world, and he has a design that helped, that is the best way for me to live. So we come to God's word looking for that design, but we come to God's word with a sense of vulnerability, willing to let God's word reflect back to us who we really are, Willing to let God's word point out our shortcomings and our flaws. We come to God's word saying, show me where I'm falling short. But we know that James also tells us that as we dive into God's word, we not only see our shortcomings, but we see who we are in Christ Jesus, who he has made us to be. We see how much we are loved by our Savior, Jesus Christ. But James says we're not supposed to be people that look in the mirror and then walk away and and forget what they looked like. Oh, I didn't know I wore glasses. No, we have to be people that look into the mirror with humility and vulnerability and we walk away and we, we live, we act, we do appropriately. James says don't just be hearers of the word, but doers also. I challenged us last week to to open James every day, to work through the five chapters of James every day with a posture of humility, a posture of vulnerability, a posture that said, I'm going to go and do what it says. And I took that challenge myself this week. And I was challenged by many things, convicted of many things. Scripture exposed some things in my life that I need to work on. But more than anything this week, as I went to James, I felt like God was saying, Rich, you got to watch your words. Rich, you have to watch your words. And I'll be honest and say, I know I have to watch my words. But I think if we're all honest we look in our world today and we go I got to watch my words too. Yeah, James is going to look at tell us this morning that we need to watch our words and and this isn't new in scripture. We can go to Proverbs chapter 18 verse 25 where Solomon writes that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus is going to write this in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is going to say that all of us are going to stand before judgment and be held accountable for every careless word that we speak. I think that should scare us. It scares me. I don't want to hear a tape of every careless word I've spoken I don't want to see a post of every careless Facebook post I've made, or Instagram post I've shared, or email that I've written or forwarded. But Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people, that's us, will give account for every careless word that they speak. James says, Watch your words. And he wants to tell us why. First, James says, I want you to watch your words because words are powerful. Let's read together. We'll be right there in James chapter 3. You can grab a Bible or open your phone or your tablet or if you brought your Bible. I'm going to start reading in verse 3. I'm going to read two or three verses here in a row. But James says this, starting in chapter 3, verse 3. how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. James looks at the the biggest, most impressive machine of his day, the horse. It leads men into battle. It, It moves carts. It plows fields. And James says, we can control it by just this little bit in its mouth. He looks at ships and says, these ships can navigate the stormy seas with just a small rudder behind it. He says, look at the forests that are set ablaze by merely a small spark. James says, your words are powerful. And this shouldn't surprise us as we read scripture. If we started in Genesis, we'd see that God creates the world with his words. That he speaks creation into being. He says, let there be light. And there was light and made in His image, our words have some of that power too. With my words, I can create and destroy life. As a father, I'm very aware of this. The words I say to my three sons can build confidence or it can tear it away. It can build self-esteem or it can shatter it in a moment. In my marriage, my words can build intimacy between us or it can tear it down. Our words can build community. Our words can destroy it. Our words are powerful. As a kid, I had three older sisters. It was a wonderful thing. It was also somewhat challenging at times to have three older sisters. I always told people I had four moms. But part of having sisters meant sometimes they said things to me that I didn't like. Sometimes it was even mean, and yes, I was mean back. But when they were mean to me, I would say things like this, right? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Or sometimes I'd say, I'm rubber and you're glue, and whatever you say to me bounces off me and sticks to you. But after I'd say those things in response to their mean words, I would go upstairs to my room and cry because those words are not true. Those words are not biblical. No, the Bible says that words go where sticks and stones can't. The Bible says that words cut sharper than stones. That words sink deeper than stones. That words hit our hearts. And words stick with us for a long time. I bet if we really paused We could remember words, both hurtful and wonderful, that were spoken to us when we were just little boys and little girls. Because words have power, they are powerful. So James says, Watch your words. Watch your words. James also says that words are not just powerful, they're poisonous. Let's keep reading in James. I think I finished at the end of verse 5. I'll pick up in verse 6 of chapter 3. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James tells us that our words aren't just powerful. Our words are poisonous. But I I did ask myself the question as I studied James over and over this week. I said, James, well, what makes my words poisonous? And as I kept reading through chapter 3, I said, "Uh, tell me, what are these poisonous words? But I I had to keep reading. We find in chapter 5 that James will define for us what are poisonous words, what makes our words so venomous. And he says in James chapter 5, verse 12, he says this, But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. In other words, James is saying that words that are untrue are poisonous words, Now, James is just quoting his brother Jesus. I mean, this is Jesus' teaching, right? Jesus says on the Sermon of the Mount, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't take an oath. Don't swear an oath. And James is, is saying it again. He's saying, if we follow Jesus Christ, then every one of our words should be true. Every one of our words should be as if we're putting our hand on our Bible in a courtroom and swearing to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But as I looked at my words, as I watched my words this week, I see that sometimes I exaggerate a little bit. It's true, but it's, it's also a little exaggerated because I, I like to make things seem a little cooler or better, or really me look a little more awesome. Or I put a spin on the truth. I tell it, but I, I tell it from a certain slant so that I can get my way, or... Or maybe I tell the truth, but I leave out a few strategic details. Because I don't want people to know that part. James says this is the poison. That our words need to be true. But James also says that our words need to be loving. In chapter 5, verse 9, James says, Do not grumble against one another. So that you may not be judged. I like this word, grumble. The Greek, it can actually mean to roll your eyes. Let's be honest. How many times did you roll your eyes this week? How many times did somebody say something to you and you did that, well, or that nice southern thing, bless his heart, which as a northerner I learned really means what an idiot. We roll our eyes. We roll our eyes literally, but we roll our eyes figuratively with our words, with our responses, with what we say. And James says, poisonous words are unloving and poisonous words are untrue. And this is a, a concept in Scripture that's not new to us. When I do pre-marriage counseling or marriage counseling, one of my favorite verses is Ephesians 4.15. I love this for relationships. It gives you us a formula for speaking Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, he says, Speak the truth in love. Three things there, right? Speak the truth in love. Don't yell the truth, don't scream the truth. But don't be silent with the truth either. But speak it. But don't just speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. That truth and love have to be wrapped together. So much of the book of Proverbs helps us how to figure out how to do both in different seasons at the the same time. right? Whether we're correcting or encouraging or admonishing, all these things in Proverbs are all this balance between truth and love. And James and, and Paul say the same thing. Speak the truth in love. When Travis's dad was here a few times back preaching for us, Michael Simone said, if you say what's true but don't have love, you're just being mean. But if you say what is loving without being truthful, what you say is actually meaningless. Let me say that again because I think it's so good. If you speak with truth but no love, you're just being mean. But if you speak love without truth... Then you're being meaningless. That the formula for words that bring life, the formula for the words that build life in our children and in our spouses and in our community and in our church and in our home and in our jobs, the formula is speak the truth in love. And so James says, watch your words because they are powerful. Because they are poisonous. But James says they do something else. James says that our words reveal what is in our hearts. Let's keep reading. We'll pick back up in verse 9 of chapter 3 and read a few more verses together. With it, our our tongue, our mouth, with it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James is again quoting Jesus, this time in Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus says, Out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. Jesus says that what's in our heart, what's the excess, the overflow, the abundance of our heart is what comes out of our mouth. Now, I remember as a kid always going to the doctor, and one of the things the doctor would do would say, What? Stick out your tongue. Right? Ah. And I thought he just wanted to see the back of my throat. In fact, I hated it when the doctor would put that tongue depressor down on your tongue. I have a really easy gag reflex. And I thought for sure I was just going to vomit my breakfast onto the doctor. But he was actually looking at our tongues, because our tongues can tell us something about our bodies. Our tongues can tell us what is going on, whether it's, believe it or not, it could be yellow or red or white. It can have too many bumps or not enough bumps. But our tongue can actually tell us something about our health. Uh, Many of you know that when I first got married, uh, Susie and I, we moved to Honduras for two years. And one of our favorite things to do in Honduras was go to the open-air market on Saturday mornings. Normally this large dirt area was a parking lot for the soccer stadium in town, but every Saturday morning it became alive with little um, vendors setting up their tarps with sticks and they were selling uh, fruits and vegetables and meats and cheeses and flowers and it was just a wonderful place to walk and explore. And of course, every vendor is there you know, trying to get you to buy their mango or their papaya or their pineapple or their star fruit. And so they've got their machete and they're cutting up things and they're offering you pieces of their fruit. And of course, I'm a little grossed out by that. I'm like, I don't know where that machete was. I don't know what it cut down. I don't know what you did with that. And so I'd always say, no, thank you. But I'd buy their fruit and I'd take it home and I'd bleach it and wash it. And then I'd try to consume it. But Susie, she's just like, oh, I'll try your mango. Oh, papaya, let me try that. And I'm sitting there like so scared. And Susie's just eating everything in sight in this beautiful market. And one of these days after being in the market in the morning, Susie and I were playing a game in our house. And we played so much backgammon our first year of marriage. It was like nonstop backgammon. So we're playing backgammon. Yes, we have a scorecard that's up to like 130. Points Per person, you know, we're really playing a lot, but we're talking and all of a sudden I go, Susie, stick out your tongue. She goes, what? I said, stick out your tongue. She's like, I'm not sticking out my tongue. And I said, just stick out your tongue. She sticks out her tongue. And it's like somebody took a Sharpie marker. Her tongue is as black as I think it could ever be. And as a newlywed, I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, my wife's about to die. You know, you don't ever really look at somebody's tongue and see that it's black. And so I'm calling Honduran friends. I'm like, we need a doctor. And Dr. Fuente shows up, and she's like, stick out your tongue. And sure enough, Susie sticks out her tongue. And this is this giant black tongue. She's like, I feel fine. Am I dying? The doctor's like, no, you just have a bacterial infection. Gives her a shot. She's good to go. But our tongue tells us about the health of our gut. And James says it's more than that. Your tongue, your words tell you about the health of your heart. That out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. So I kept asking myself this week, if I talk about someone who's not in the room, what does that say about my heart? If I defend myself at all costs, what does that say about my heart If I'm boasting and exaggerating, what does that say about my heart? If I gossip about somebody, what does that say about my heart? If I say bad words or belittle someone or if I roll my eyes or speak sarcastically, James says that that is telling me something about my heart. I think James isn't really saying, fix your mouths or fix your tongues. He's saying, fix your hearts. Because out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. So what do your words say about your heart? Is it overflowing with the need to, to be right? To find approval? To be seen as good in everybody's eyes? Is it overflowing with the desire for success? And so you... You lie about things to get where you're going? Is it overflowing about the need for status so you exaggerate your words so people see you more highly than you think you are? Is it what is it about your heart that's overflowing that's causing your words to be the way they are? And James says, Watch your words. But what he's really saying is, Fix your heart. As I think about fixing my heart, as I think about what should I be putting into my heart that can overflow with words of life, with words that speak truth and love to the world around me, I'm reminded that the place I have to look is the cross. The place I go to fill my heart with what is good and right is the cross because on the cross we see the ultimate expression of truth and love. On the cross we find this truth that we are sinners. On the cross, we find the truth that we need a Savior, that we are morally corrupt. But on the cross, we find another truth. We find the love of Jesus. We find a God who so loved us that he was willing to die for us on the cross Jesus embraces truth and love so that we, our hearts can be changed so that our hearts can overflow with joy and grace and mercy and love and forgiveness of our father and in turn our words can become words that bring life and so James says watch your words your words are powerful Your words can be poisonous. But ultimately, watch your words because they reveal what's going on in your heart. And when we find that our words aren't so good, we go to the cross where Jesus knows every one of them. He takes the judgment for every careless word we have spoken. And he loves us so much that he dies for us. Let us be a community this week that watches our words. Last week, we ended with a simple chorus, a chorus that I hum to myself so often Lord, in my life be glorified. Lord, in my heart be glorified. Lord, in my speech be glorified. This morning, as we sing, would we watch our words and would we look to the cross? And know that we have a God who loves us so much that he would die for us. And may we be a community that watches our words.